Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Well, it's good to be with you. We're in part two of uh, a series, um, how, to, how to Rewild a Tamed Life or a Tamed Faith. And I think it's going to be incredibly helpful to you. Um, for eight years, I, I think they're, they're an image of a couple will come on the screen for you, um, I think. And uh, for eight years, Miriam Lancewood, uh, anyone familiar with her face or his? Anyone at all? Miriam Lancewood and her husband, Peter. Peter is 30 years older than Miriam. Goes to show that any age gap can work, that my nine-year age gap between my wife and I is just minuscule. And so for these guys, they decided that they would go off the grid and live in the um, New Zealand wilderness for 12 months. And 12 months turned into eight years off the grid. They would come into town and uh, Miriam would busk, get enough money, buy some fruit and veggies, go back. They would hunt all their meat, a bit like Bron and I do. We hunt most of our meat week to week out at um, various farms around the place that don't know we're coming. And and um, we, they hunt their meat, they live out in the wild and really off the grid, bare essentials. And what I love is when, you, when they were interviewed, there's lots of things they've had to say over the years since, but, but a couple of things that they talk about is the pressure to conform to society's expectation. Um, Miriam was a, school, a Norwegian school teacher. Uh, Peter is a university lecturer and... She talks about how they, she felt the pressure to conform to society norms. And then, of course, not only that, there is the bold move of stepping into the great unknown. I don't know about you, but stepping off the grid into the New Zealand wilderness for eight years is quite a step. And so I, I, the reason I bring that story is it's, it's, it's a natural example of what we're going to look at today as we come to week two of this series, how to rewild a tamed faith, because we're talking in week two about loving living off the grid. Because uh, in the same way, or, or in, in the same principled way, that they had to not conform with culture to live the way they did, and how they had to step out into the unknown to go into the life that they had in their heart, the same way um, if you're a person of faith, the, the, the Bible calls us to a non-conformist way of living that steps into God's great unknown. And, and on first glance, for some of us, it might seem not worth the risk, but it's always worth the journey. And we're going to see that today. And I think this message is important right now. Oh, when I look around, I see, I see uh, around the place, I see plenty of people um, who, who may be living with a tamed faith, living a tamed life, and I think that is growing. Um, but on the other side of it, I also see people who just will not settle, living a tamed life. They, they don't rewild their faith. Their faith is wild. It has a wild edge in that. They're up for the unknown adventure that God has called them to. And so as we get moving today, I want to read um, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11 onwards from the message translation. It says this, Dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. 
Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives, you could put in brackets, to God, live openly and live expansively. I love this little passage of Scripture saying, hey, if you, if he's talking to people of faith and he says, if your life seems small, it's not really small, it's the smallness on the inside of you. And, he, and, and the apostle's trying to take the lid off of that. He's trying to say, hey, your life's not small. I don't know how it feels. He's not talking to global preachers. He's not talking to people that are multi-billionaires. He's not talking to YouTube and Instagram and social media influencers with millions of followers. He's talking to everyday people going about their business in the city of Corinth. And he says to them, hey, listen, your life's not small. The smallness that you feel, it comes from within you, but it's not the smallness that God calls us to. It's an expansive life to live openly before him. How to rewild a tame faith. And today I want to talk about living or loving living off the grid. So we do this when we go to a passage that's familiar to some of you, but I want you to stay with me. The question is not, do you know it? The question as we move through this is, is it changing me? This passage of scripture promises transformation. It actually, the original word here is metamorphosis. And, and, and the metamorphosis that is meant to go on here as we look at this passage of scripture is, is, is ref, it's referring to the kind of metamorphosis that a caterpillar goes through to become a butterfly. It's saying as a follower of Jesus, who someone puts their trust in God, this is the kind of transformation, this is a kind of metamorphosis that should go on inside of us and then live out in the way we think and see and live. And so that being the case, as you hear these verses, I want us to filter it through that kind of thinking. Is that what's going on? Because absolutely it's what God wants to go on. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 say this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. An odd statement in the context of our culture. May you do it holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so this comes along, and this really is a masterclass just in these two verses on how to live an untamed faith off the grid. It says, hey, first of all, it says, live as a living sacrifice. Lost on us, but the idea that they would bring a sacrifice to the temple and that would be given to God for their sins and you know all of that kind of thing. And so the Bible's saying, hey, you come yourself as a living sacrifice before God. Live your life surrendered to him. Trust God with the great unknown. That's the idea here. And, it's, and that's what God calls us to. And, and so how do we step off the grid to rewild a tamed faith? Number one is to just step into God's great unknown. Step Step off the predictable grid and step into God's great unknown. Step off the grid, as we see here, of how culture sees it and step into the way God thinks about it. And, and, and these things really do set us up for a transformed life. The essence of the idea of stepping into God's great unknown, stepping off the grid into it, is captured in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. It says, it says Trust in and rely confidently on the Lord with all of your heart, with everything. Don't rely on your own insight or understanding. And, and, and that is the tension for, for the untamed life. Is the tension comes when my limited and finite understanding uh, finds tension and, and rubs up against the infinite wisdom of God. 
and in that space there is a friction as I try and work out what to do next based on what I know and yet I have God's word saying things that call me to, you know, maybe a higher way of living, a different way of living, a different way of looking at it and the tension's there and so the Bible comes along and says, trust God with everything you've got. When, 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 there's, when there's a conflict between the way you think and what God has said in his word and, his, and what he's revealed, when that, when that tension happens, always go with God. And all, all, all your ways acknowledge him. And all your ways recognize him. And he will make paths straight and smooth for your feet. And I can say that to this point in my life, at least, I have seen God has done that as we step out into the great unknown and follow God in that way. This is the spirit of the untamed life. This is the spirit that the untamed live with. We see it on display in the life of uh, this man here. Listen to this. Um, by faith, Abraham when called to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. And that sounds like, like, what are you doing, Abraham, you lunatic? What, are you just going to step out into a place where you don't know where you're going? And, and, which he did. It wasn't that he didn't know the end because God had given him a promise. He, he knew the end of the story. What he didn't know was the in-between. Between where he stood now and the promise God had given him, was this big, vast, in-between space of the great unknown. And it's that space that Abraham is to step into. He's about to step out of his comfortable existence. He's wealthy, he's affluent, he is the man. And he steps out of that to trust God in, and step into his unknown future. And what's interesting about this, if you've been around a little while, what's interesting to me is that up until this point, Abraham's life is like this. Abraham has already done this before, and he's, and he's trust as God. He stepped off the grid of the way culture thought, and he followed God into God's great unknown. And doing that had brought him to this place of prosperity and promise that he, he's at in his life. And as, as this next stage comes, what's important to note, for if you've been around a little while, is what had previously been God's provision and promise up until that moment was about to become the tamed life if Abraham stayed there and didn't step into God's next unknown. Are you with me? You've been around a while. The risk is, the risk is for me too, is that having lived stepping into God's great unknown and enjoyed the, privi- uh, the provision and the promise of that until this point in your life, the risk is to get comfortable there when God calls us to next. And so whether it's the first time or whether it's a new season, whatever it is for you and for me, the idea here is is this, that we would step off the grid of what is known, the, the, the known quantity into the unknown plan and purposes of God. Now that's an adventure. That's a place to go. Because there is the known quantity, isn't there? But what if 2021 for you, What if 2021 for me continued to be or was for the very first time really going, God, this is it. I'm stepping off the grid of the known quantity to trust you with my unknown future. I'm going for it because I know you've got me. I know you've got it. Man, life is short and I want to give it everything we've got. When I get to the end of my days, having done everything you've called us to, everything you had for us, all the adventure. Yes, some struggle. Yes, some challenges. But ultimately, the plan and purposes of God. And so, you know, what's that look like for you in this season right now, stepping into God's great unknown, 
Is it, is, it, is it just trusting God's word? Trusting his voice? Trusting his silence? His inactivity? You now we're praying for someone who desperately wants to have a child and until this point hasn't had a child and may not have a child. But on the other side of that is people like Bron, my wife's mum, who couldn't have children at all, was told that very clearly, tried for many, many years, got prayed for in a church service and the next, very next week fell pregnant after years and years and years. He's a God who is able to help us walk into the great unknown. We're trusting him in the silence, trusting his word, whatever it looks like. What is it for you? What's the next step? What's the new adventure? What's the big thing in front of you? What's next for you in trusting God's great unknown? Let's go back to Romans 12 and think about these next thoughts. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve God's will, his good, pleasing and perfect will. What a wonderful thought. To be able to live in the place where we can discern God's will. So it says here, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Do not easily conform to the pattern of culture. And Romans talks about be conformed to the image of Christ being Jesus. But I want you to think about not being conformed to the pattern of culture. As we do, I don't know if this is going to work. I'm sorry that that's very uneven. If that was the gym, it would be very unacceptable practice for me. Just try and stay with me so I can sit there. Oh, beautiful. You can see I'm easily impressed with myself, can't you? Here we go. Hope this all holds. Now, all right. Harry Potter, Bob the Builder, Wonder Woman. Anyone seen the Wonder Woman movies? First one was pretty good. Second one was pretty tragic. Um, two and a half hours, I'll never get back. But I did get a sleep in, so that was good. It was a good sleeping in the cinema. And um, thinking about these three things, does anyone here go to the gym? Dale Messon? Imagine Dale Messon turned up and went to the gym with his Wonder Woman towel. Now, here's the thing. Because I lose lots of stuff, in fact, it's funny, I walked in this morning, my gym bag, leather gym bag was out front, if you saw it on the way in, and it had a towel in it. The reason that I forgot it and left it there Thursday, it's been there since Thursday. So when I go to the gym, I have one white towel, and then when I have to wash it, these are my three gym towels. Look at me. Do I look like I should be walking into the gym with a Harry Potter towel? Apart from some Christians thinking you might not get to heaven if I take a Harry Potter towel, that aside... I walk in with my Harry Potter towel. And the day that I can't take the Harry Potter towel, which is not mine, it's actually my 13-year-old daughter's, you'll be relieved tonight, I will take the Bob the Builder towel. And I don't know where that towel actually comes from. And then, on the other day, I take the Wonder Woman towel. Now, that might not seem like much to you, but I'm pretty confident I'm the only grown man 
Only middle-aged men in the gym with either a Harry Potter, a Wonder Woman, or a Bob the Builder Town. See, when you go to the gym and you're a male my age, if you have one of those towels, it looks a bit odd. In fact, when I first started using them, the only reason I use them is because I lose them and, and we made a decision that we wouldn't use the house towels, so I have to use these. When I first started doing it, I'd walk in and I would actually flip the towel and put the white side up because I'm a 49-year-old man. What am I doing with a Harry Potter towel? And then I ceased to care, which is good news for me. But here's the thing. When you go to the gym, you either use a plain towel, you know, that's base level, or you use an active wear towel with a brand on it. Nike, Adidas, Lorna Jane, you get the idea. You don't use Harry Potter, Bob the Builder, and Wonder Woman when you're a 49-year-old male. And when I started doing it, like I said, I'd flip them over. Why was that? Somewhere in my brain, I'd gotten told that you don't use Harry Potter, Wonder Woman, or Bob the Builder for your gym town when you are my age and look like me. And some of you are like, yeah, Darren, of course that's true. You do not do that. But who said? Why does it matter? In fact, honestly, since I had that moment, I now proudly walk in with my Wonder Woman tower. And I do it, you can imagine, I throw it out and I spread it and I make sure the edges are down. I think, you can think whatever you want. I'm masculine, I'm comfortable enough in my masculinity to use a Wonder Woman tower. And uh, the point is this, that there are so many areas in life where culture has told us how to live. In fact, if, if, if you are a middle-class, dual-income earner, you know, you're, you're on pretty good wicket, if, if that's you today, I wonder what car you drive, and I wonder why you drive it. What's your badge? On, what's the badge on the car? So many people I meet are pushed to their limits financially to drive a car that's almost out of their reach to make a statement about where they are in life for a pretty diminished return on the quality, the comfort, or anything else. Now, I'm the first to admit, I want to own a Ram. I do. I really want to own a Ram. I'll wait till I'm not a pastor because otherwise they'll think I'm just stealing money, and I'm not. But when I'm finished pastoring one day, my deepest prayer around a vehicle is that I will have a Ram. Dual cab, leather trim, V8 Ram. But for now, it's off the grid. The reality is that sometimes culture is telling us where we should live, what we should drive, how we should dress, all of that. I never owned a pair of RM Williams boots before I lived in Tamworth. No one in Sydney owned a pair of RM Williams boots, did they, Luke? Now, I like RM Williams boots. That's a bad example. But you get the idea. Sometimes culture is telling us. And the Bible comes along and says, hey, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by renewing your mind, renewing the way you think. And, and so my question around the towers is, who told me that? And why am I listening to them? And around my lifestyle, I'm like, who told us that? Uh, what, what do you think about how you run a business? What do you think? Got a business? How do you run it? Who told you that? When the first man and woman walked the earth, they made a decision to go the way other than God's and the way not of culture, but the way of another voice. And the question God brings to them is, who told you that? Who told me that? 
I'm committed to my Bob the Builder tower, my Wonder Woman tower. Who told us that? Who told us that once you get past a certain level of income, you need to drive a certain kind of car to make sure everybody's aware of where you sit in the status of a community? Now, like I said, I'm all for good cars. I'm not judging you. Not at all. I live in a nice house. We drive nice cars. I'm just saying when it's driven by what culture dictates because culture would tell me to do a certain thing, to have a certain image and live a certain way, that, that I do something about that because God has more for us than that. And we're not defined by that. And so when culture and scripture collide in attention, which way do I go? When you think about how you run a business, who told you that? Oh, who told me? Who told me that I should cheat you? Who told me that I should just sneak around the edges on my tax? Not God. Whoever told us that, culture and scripture, what way are we going to do it? God calls us into the great unknown where we would trust him. When it, when it comes to generosity, who told you that? If you're a Queenslander and you follow Queensland in the origin, who told you that? It wasn't God. It wasn't God. Who told you that? Married life. How you live your married life. Who, who told you that? When culture and scripture collide, who told you that? You know, we're about seven years into our marriage, Bron and I. And I, I, I was struggling, some of you will know. I was struggling. I'm like, you know, seven years in, you, you kind of worked out what's not going to change from here very easily. And I, thank my, I do thank God for my wife's continual commitment to change. But for me, I was having a big wrestle. And I had to work out whether I was in. And the thing that informed it, was not whether Brum would change, but what God had said. And you go, you know what? Who told me that? Well, that's what God, I'll not be. If I've got, oh, most of my family are not on their first marriage. They don't feel bad. I'm not judging you. I'm just telling you the marriage you're in right now, wherever you're at. Hey, culture and scripture, let's make a stand on culture. Let's go for it. When it comes to running our business, I don't care what anyone else around is doing. Let's make a stand on scripture, not on what culture says is right. What causes are worth fighting for? What are you giving your life to? I tell you, is it worth it? What's informed what you're fighting for? Is it culture or scripture? What is it for you? What is it for me? What's your approach to your daily encountering of people? What is it, culture or scripture? Culture says, you know, do the, do the fair thing. But the Bible doesn't say do fair. The Bible says, hey, however much it depends on you, as long as there is room for you to continue to create hope, to restore to lift up, to make right, to build strong. The Bible says, as long as there's room for us to do that, that that's the attitude we should take. Hey, what's going to build the way I do relationships and build relationships? Is it culture or is it scripture? Is it the well-meaning voice or is it the God-ordained voice? What's it going to be? How do you build a successful life? Now, there are plenty of people I read about how to build a life that aren't Christian. There's lots of wisdom out there. I'm not saying that. But I'm talking about when they collide, when there's a tension between culture and scripture, the Bible comes along and says to us, you know, here's a way. So my first thought on, on this is un, unlearning and rethinking. Where, where am I on the bandwagon of a tamed life and faith in my thinking and living? Where am I on a bandwagon? And am I ready to get off the grid that scripture calls me to? Eugene Peterson said it like this, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. Instead, fix, attention, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you. Quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, 
God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. So let's just continue to take another look this year. With my face being tame, continue to take another look. What's God calling us to? You know, getting the right things into our heart and mind. I've been off social media for about four months. I tell you, it's transformed my thinking. Just not being there. Some things to be unlearned, some things to rethink. And one of those things for me was social media altogether. Now, I miss some of the connection. I miss knowing some of the details about people's lives that I'm not now getting. But the upside to not being on it, for me personally, way outweighs, by far outweighs, the information I'm missing out on. and, And it's just those things into my life, the right filters into my life that really set up our future. Where's, where's the unlearning to go on? Where's the rethinking to take place? Where is that for you? you know, uh, here's an example. Some people say, you know, let's never talk about religion and politics. Who told us that? And why on earth would anyone do that? Uh, politics I love, but I understand. But don't talk about Jesus when life, when eternity when, when those things are on the table, now a person might come back and go, well, I don't believe. Well, that, that's their business. But, but at least let's not say without thinking, oh, I don't talk about religion and politics. Why? Why when everything hinges on it, would I not talk about that and talk about Wonder Woman instead? I'm thinking Wonder Woman's great, but really when it comes to that or Jesus. And who told us those things? And so just some rethinking, some unlearning. I think they're a great help. Christians who take their lead from culture when it clashes with Scripture drift towards a tame faith pattern by culture. And Christians who take their lead from Scripture when it clashes with culture set up, the Bible says, for a transformed life. I will not be conformed to the pattern of culture. I will be transformed by the renewing of my mind. And, and then the next thought is this, just reclaiming this space. It says, be transformed, just to reclaim this space. I don't know, has anyone heard of the, um, the, the story, The Man Who Planted Trees? cultured amongst us. Anyone? No? I thought David Moore would have known about that. But um, The man who planted trees, the story goes that in 1913, a, 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 a shepherd in a, an abandoned village in France came into a certain place where the ground had been destroyed, the creeks had stopped flowing and life was barren. And in 1913, he just started to seed new trees. And through the next decade beyond the wall, he seeded new trees. And through the 30s, he seeded new trees. And through the 40s, he seeded new trees. And for four decades, this shepherd seeded new trees in this barren French landscape until eventually they declared that the place was a beautiful place, maybe like the Garden of Eden. A renewal went on that started with a single seed and the process continued day and night for four decades until one day you could not turn up and recognise the place that existed with that which had once been because a man just kept planting the right seed in the ground and kept turning up and working that ground and over the course of four decades something went on that left it unrecognisable with a previous state and that is exactly what the Bible talks of here. It's talking about a life that would be untamed by the culture around, still engaged, still living, I love Australian culture. I know I love Australian culture. I love January, Boxing Day, cricket, Sydney Test, Australian Open. And then when that Australian Open plays its men's final on the final Sunday night, 
and Australia Day's gone, I feel like the year kicks back in and holiday season is over. I love Australian summer and Australian culture, but when culture and scripture collide, I want to choose scripture. And so it comes along and says, hey, just keep turning up, planting the right seed, and then over time that will transform the landscape of our heart and our life, the way we think, the way we see, the way we live. Don't you want that to go on? I want to keep that going on right through the next decade that's coming now, right through this year, just continuing to transform the way I see and think and live. How God longs for us to trade the tamed existence of the known and seen for the great adventure of His great unknown. Oh, how He wants to do that with all of us. I wonder where that is for you today. You know what I like about Miriam as I wrap? Miriam's in her 20s when she begins this journey. I think late 20s. And Peter is in his late 50s. Tells me that you're never too young and it's never too late to step into the great unknown. Isn't that true of life? That you and I, wherever we're at today, that today's the day, this is the time. This message comes, I actually got inspired around this series um, from David Attenborough. He, he, he just did a documentary, it's called... Um, something. It's like his witness statement on what he's seen, the deterioration of the planet in his travels and searching nature. And he's called humanity to rewild nature now. And he says, if we don't do it now, it'll be too late. I think this series is a perfect time for you and for us to determine that I'm not going to live with a tame faith. I'm going to rewild my faith As God calls me to, I'm going to live off the grid. I'm going to rough it and then we'll come to what we will next week. But now is the right time. I've watched a generation increasingly tame their faith. And I've seen at the same time as other people move away from the tame and rewild it. Now, if you're in your 20s or your teens, I'm telling you, now is the time. Now is the time. This is the time to do it, to rewild your faith. It is not a time to settle for the tame. Whether you're 10, 15, 20, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, playing bingo in the corner, Matty Keys. Doesn't matter where you are, it's not a time to tame our faith. This is a time to, to go off the grid, to reposition again, and to step into God's great unknown. He's got it covered. He's got you, He's got us, He's got the future. I tell you, the government hasn't got my future, hasn't got yours. God has. Let's step into it. Let's rewild our faith in a way that in our times there'd be something unique about us that stands out in our day that would impact people's lives and see their eternities shift in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.